Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. A very good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and you're very welcome to the, our 100th episode of the Signpost webinar series. Uh, we hope you are keeping safe and well wherever you're joining us from today. What began as an initial eight webinars as our response to the COVID-19 pandemic has turned into a weekly staple for us all. And so after a pandemic, multiple storms, and now, uh, sadly, a war in Europe, uh, we are it's still great for us all to be meeting on a Friday morning to discuss the challenges and opportunities around sustainability. And I want to take this opportunity to say a big thank you uh, to all our contributors over the past number of years, our fantastic team, uh, who are our series producer, Andy Boland, uh, technical support from Yvonne Maher, our connected team, Michelle Lavelle and Nula Cully, and of course, Pat Murphy uh, for supporting the overall uh, series and uh, for assisting with questions every Friday morning. And of course, uh, we want to say a huge thank you to you, the audience, for your continued support and insightful questions. Uh, we really have enjoyed having your company every Friday morning over the last number of years. I also want to acknowledge our partners, Dairy Sustainability Ireland, uh, the National Road Network and Food Drink Ireland Skillnet for their support over the last number of years. So today we're going to take a look at carbon sequestration and the, its impact uh, on, on the impact of water, the water table on peat soils. And we're delighted to be joined by our own uh, Professor Gary Lanigan, who's Principal Research Officer with Chagas and world expert in greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture and carbon sequestration. Good morning, Gary. You're very welcome to uh, our 100th episode. Morning, Mark, and uh, thanks Thanks for inviting me. And uh, Gary, you, you're in fact, you were one of our first uh, speakers on the, the series. It's hard to believe uh, that's right, yeah. that uh, it's two years later, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of water has gone under the bridge since then. And I know uh, in the intervening period, there's been a climate bill and so forth. So uh, you're going to talk to us a little bit about that today. Yeah. Uh, so so what I'll do is I'll 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 probably uh, set the scene, go through a, a little bit on the climate bill, and then uh, talk about carbon sequestration, and then talk about uh, uh, peat soils. Great, Pat. It's hard to believe 100 uh, uh, yeah. episodes almost under the belt. Yeah. Where where has the time gone? It's flown. Uh, you'd never have believed that that it would stretch this far. And and I suppose one of the, the things re reflecting back on it that, that's been really important for us is when we uh, see the questions coming in and the diversity of the audience we have, it keeps us, I suppose, well grounded and, and um, uh, seeing a very broad sphere of, of opinion coming through in, in, in the questions. And it keeps us reminded that different people see environmental issues from different angles. And uh, it keeps us, I think, well in tune with a lot of the, the different angles that people are coming to us from. And that kind of diversity in the audience has been has been really great. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I think your suggestions, people's suggestions for talks and speakers over the years have, have been really helpful as well. So, And we do encourage everyone to continue to send, send through those suggestions of, of areas that you'd like to hear more about. So I'm conscious time is ticking on. We're here to discuss a very important topic this morning. So Gary, I might ask you to, to share your screen with us and um, just take uh, the opportunity to remind everybody, uh, if you do have a question that you'd like uh, to, us to put to Gary at the end of the, his presentation, please use the Q&A tab at the bottom of your screen. Uh, today's session is being recorded and will be available on the Chagas website, uh, along with the presentation and uh, a podcast version of the, uh, the talk as well. So, Gary, uh, looking forward to your talk, and uh, we'll chat to you afterwards. Okay, thanks a lot, Mark. Um, so, I suppose, first of all, um, I'll, I'll talk really through uh, uh, the challenges that, that we face over the, the, next, uh, the next number of years. Okay, so the, the main challenge that we have from a, a climate point of view is that the National Climate Action Bill has set Ireland uh, quite ambitious targets to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions from, from, from the whole of society. Um, and national greenhouse gas emissions must be reduced by 51% uh, 
uh, by 2030 relative to um, where we were in 2018. Okay, so 2018 is is the benchmark year that uh, um, the, the reductions are being set in comparison to. And I suppose agriculture uh, is, uh, you know, agriculture is a large tranche of our emissions. So um, uh, last year, agriculture was 34% of national greenhouse gas emissions. This year, um, agriculture will be 37% of, of national emissions. Um, and really, again, we're unusual as a country in that we have such a large proportion of our emissions that are sourced within agriculture. But, but I suppose the bit that, that doesn't uh, get a whole lot of headlines is that we also, as well as having uh, a category called agriculture, we have another category called land use, land use change and forestry or LULUCF for short. And LULUCF uh, uh, is also a, a source, a net source of emissions, which again, uh, Ireland is highly unusual. Most European countries would have generally very large uh, forestry sinks and their LULUCF categories would generally tend to be removing more uh, uh, CO2 from the atmosphere than it's actually emitting. Um, we're a little bit different on, and I'll go into why in a minute. But if you actually uh, if you actually total agriculture, forestry and other land use into a single category um, that whole AFALU uh, uh, um, uh, category, which is agriculture plus the land use change uh, um, uh, sectors uh, would account for 40 percent uh, of our national emissions of total emissions. So so, you know, agriculture and land use is uh, is is a. Uh, 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 quite a large source. Um, and the other thing to bear in mind, we have a couple of other headwinds we're facing into. And um, one of the, the main things is that the global warming potential of methane is rising and uh, the largest proportion of our agricultural emissions uh, just so happen to be methane. So those, those methane, because of the, the change in global warming potential, push up uh, our, our agricultural uh, emissions. So we have these challenges and we also have a, a policy requirement. So the policy requirement is uh, really what, what are our national emissions and what do we project them to be into the future? Um, how can we mitigate? How much can we mitigate? Um, uh, what are those subcategories that we can, we can mitigate uh, land use emissions by and what's the cost? So first of all, if you look at our agricultural emissions, the, 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 the main thing to note the agricultural emissions is that um, they, uh, in, in general, uh, they've been increasing since 2011, um, uh, mainly due to uh, uh, increase in, in dairy cow numbers and an increase in fertilizer use um, over, over the period uh, following the, the, uh, the relaxation of uh, the milk quota. And what you tend to find in agriculture is that it's predominantly uh, made up of methane and uh, not CO2. Uh, so the, the main emission, about 70% uh, of our emissions uh, are, are methane. Um, uh, the vast majority of those are from enteric fermentation. In other words, uh, uh, cattle and sheep um, uh, burping uh, methane. And uh, the other uh, about 20% of, of the, the, the methane emissions are from manure management. And then the, the, the other uh, third or so of our uh, agricultural emissions are nitrous oxide. And there, um, and nitrous oxide associated with fertilizer application, with manure application uh, to land, and uh, also um, uh, uh, animals urinating and defecating on the field uh, while they're grazing. Gary, I see liming mentioned on your your graph then, there. Yeah, and then liming is is CO two, and that's a that's a small, uh, but probably growing, uh, portion of emissions. Uh, it's typically only about uh, three to four percent of our our emissions, but it is uh, it is um, uh, projected to increase uh, over the next number number of years as hopefully we'll we'll be applying more lime and getting uh, our 
our um, our, um, our soils back into uh, into good pH status. And um, the bar here is the uh, reduction target. So we have a twenty two to thirty percent uh, reduction target for agriculture. Um, so that's quite challenging if you think um, uh, like the, the lowest star emissions ever went uh, was in 2011 and the emission reduction we're looking for uh, by 2030 uh, is much greater than that. It's a 22 to it's we need to get the emissions down to somewhere between 15 and a half and 17 and a half million tons. And we're running at around about 22, 23 million tons at the moment. Um, the, the other portion uh, of, of, the, uh, um, uh, of this agriculture and land use piece is the land use piece. So these are our projected land use uh, uh, emissions uh, over the next number of years. And the thing, the first thing to bear to, to note is that we have a forest, uh, we have forestry that is a mine. So a minus value means that CO2 is being sucked up okay, or sequestered. Um, and in general, our forestry land has uh, up to now been a sink of somewhere between three and four million tonnes of CO2 um, per year. Um, however, uh, what you'll note uh, in this table is that sink uh, is going down and in fact becomes a source um, by 2030. And, and that's simply because of the age profile of our forestry. So we'll be clear felling forestry at a at a, a higher rate uh, than will be afforesting. So um, because of that that age profile of our forestry, um, it, it is turning into a, a small, it is going neutral or turning into a small source. The other thing uh, to note is our grasslands. Now, most people, when they think of grassland, they assume that grassland is, is sequestering carbon. And indeed, our mineral grasslands uh, do sequester carbon. So we have about 4 million uh, hectares of grassland on mineral soils. And in the inventory, they're assumed to be um, sequestering at about half a ton of CO2 per hectare per year. So that's uh, half a ton times 4 million hectares. That's 2 million tons uh, being sequestered. However, we have somewhere between about 350,000 and 420,000 uh, hectares of grassland that's on peat soils. Um, and that's um, emitting uh, 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 CO2 at a rate of around about, uh, we think, 20 tonnes of CO2 per hectare per year. So it's a, it's a source of 9 million tonnes, quite, quite a substantial source. So, so it means then the net uh, grassland emission uh, is that is uh, the situation is that grassland is actually a, a quite a large source of emissions and mainly because of these peat soils. And then you have um, wetlands, which uh, include the, the cutaway peatlands or the Bordnemona land, for example, and the, the majority of, uh, of there's about 2 million tonnes of emissions from those um, from about 80,000 hectares of cutaway peat. And then uh, the total um, is, is an emission source. And, and what you can see, because both the forestry sink is disappearing and because we have a large grassland source, um, we project that our emissions uh, from the LULUCF uh, uh, sector in the absence of mitigation will actually go up. OK, um, so so and, and, and that's challenging uh, because if you look at uh, these two lines here. So this is our projected emissions. Um, and these two lines here are uh, where the climate bill is saying we need to be by, um, uh, by 2030. So um, agriculture has a 22 to 30% reduction, but Lulu CF has a 37 to 58% uh, reduction target. Um, so, so that's quite a, a challenging at quite a substantial target, um, particularly in the context of the fact that our emissions uh, are increasing from the sector in the absence of mitigation. Okay, so this this, this produces a, a challenge for us, but 
really so 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 what can we do with, with carbon sequestration how how can we how can we reverse this well we can reverse it by a number of things um we can plant more forestry and 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 forestry uh, sequesters um uh, carbon uh, for the the lifetime of that forest so in the in the case of conifers it could be 30 to 40 years and in the case of broadleaves, uh, deciduous uh, trees, uh, typically uh, those forests last for somewhere between 60 uh, and 150 years, depending on the species. And then the other way you can, you can sequester more carbon is to actually deliver more carbon uh, into the soil, okay? And, and soil, soil carbon sequestration is actually the one permanent um, method of sequestering carbon. So you can sequester carbon from decades to centuries to, to, to thousands of years in the case of peatland. So if we, if we look at, at how, 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 how does carbon sequestration work? Well, the plants um, uh, basically produce photosynthesis. So your grass grows um, and typically uh, a grassland will probably uh, take up in photosynthesis somewhere around about 12, maybe 12 to 15 uh, tons of carbon um, per hectare. And you think to yourself, oh, that's great. That, then it's sequestering 12 tons. Well, well, it's not because the, the, the plants have to breathe the same way we do. And those, those plants, uh, the, the, so a certain amount of carbon, maybe about three tons of carbon is lost uh, when, those, um, when those plants breathe. And then the microbes in the soil um, eat carbon and they also breathe. Um, and then uh, uh, as well, the, the animals um, uh, uh, eat uh, uh, some of that carbon, either as, as silage um, or they, they, they graze it on, on pasture. Um, and ultimately, when, when you look at actually, and then some carbon is leached out of the system, the animal returns some of that carbon in the form of manure or in the form of uh, urine and dung. But if you actually look at how much carbon remains in the soil, um, it's probably only somewhere around about one ton of carbon per hectare um, uh, per year. So, so it means you're, you're only adding very small uh, amounts of carbon into what's uh, a large background. And, and how large are these backgrounds? Well, if you look at sandy soils, a sandy soil, if you compare it to an actual sink, okay, so we, we think, we, we, we talk about carbon sinks, um, a sandy soil has, uh, um, because uh, sand can't really hold on to carbon um, uh, very well and has a low surface area ratio, um, uh, typically sandy soils will, will uh, be able to hold on to maybe about 80 tonnes of carbon per hectare. Um, uh, to a depth of about 30 centimetres. If you go to a clay soil, clay is very good at, at holding on to carbon. It's, it's, it's got the opposite charge, electrical charge of carbon, so, so it can bind uh, carbon. So clay soils will typically have a, um, a carbon contents of maybe two to 300 uh, tonnes of, uh, of carbon um, in the top 30 centimetres. And then if you go to a peat soil, um, peat soils are different, A, they're acidic, uh, but B, they're, they, they're, they tend to be waterlogged. So there's, there's no uh, decomposition in the soil. So if you've got no decomposition, then the carbon builds up and up, okay? And, and again, if you compare it to, to, to a sink, you know, your, your clay, your um, sandy soil is a wash, small wash hand basin, your clay soil is a bath and your uh, peat soil is a swimming pool. And, and they're roughly the, 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 um, the, 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 the differences in the level of, of how much carbon they can hold on. So, so, you know, you're going from about 80 tons of carbon per hectare for sandy soil, all the way up to two, 3,000 tons um, per hectare in a peat soil. And because the peatland holds on uh, to so much carbon, because it has loads of carbon and, the, and, it's, and it's anaerobic, so, so that soil is generally waterlogged. What happens when you drain it? Um, so before you drain it um, and it's anaerobic, 
um, it doesn't produce too much CO2. It mainly produces methane, the same way as, an, as, as, a, as a, a, a cow produces uh, methane, because again, in the rumen of the animal, it's anaerobic, so it produces methane um, instead of producing CO2. And similarly in the peatlands, and because it's an anaerobic environment, um, methane tends to be the main uh, gas that is released. And typically you're talking about nine tons of, uh, of CO2 equivalents uh, per hectare per year. Um, however, if you drain uh, that peatland, then, then the, 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 that carbon uh, becomes available for microbes to then uh, uh, eat it. So, so, so basically what happens is that microbial activity goes up. The, the number of microbes in the soil increases uh, exponentially. And, and what happens is that instead of having a small amount of methane uh, being, uh, being emitted, you now have a very large amount of CO2 being emitted. As the, as the uh, microbes uh, grow, they eat the carbon and then they breathe out CO2 and, uh, the same way as we do. And, they're, and, and basically they're, they're consuming that carbon that has been stored for thousands of years. So if you look at then the actual emission factors that the IPCC uh, have, and you, you can see that uh, uh, you're talking about quite substantial amounts of CO2, um, everything from about uh, seven tons of, uh, of CO2 um, uh, per, per, per hectare per year, uh, all the way up for if you have cropland on, on peat soils, you can be emitting over 34 tons of, of CO2 uh, per hectare per year. Um, and, and just to, to, to actually put that into context, that's, that's equivalent um, at 34, that's equivalent to nearly 10 cows per hectare. Um, so it's a very, very substantial amount of, uh, of, um, of CO2 being emitted from both grassland and cropland on drained peat soils. So what we've been looking at in Chagask is is uh, uh, is we've been we've been looking to see can we uh, what happens when we when we change the water level so so how how high do we have to bring restore the water level in these peat soils and these are like similars these are cores of of peat soils that we've removed from a peatland and uh, uh, that that's been used for agriculture in Lully Moor and we brought back to Johnstown Castle and we've been manipulating the water table height and um, to see how much uh, CO2 uh, is getting released depending on, on what your water table height is. And what we see is that um, where you have, uh, uh, where, where the, the, you bring the water table all the way back to the surface, you have a low emission of CO2 and a higher emission of methane, but that as you drop that water table, your CO2 emissions uh, uh, double or treble, they, they go quite substantially. Um, and of course, you're, you've got to collapse then in methane because you're now going into aerobic respiration. So, so what we've been looking at is we've been uh, investigating um, uh, the, the, the impact of, of water table height. The other thing that we're doing now as well is we're putting out our eddy covariance terror. So, so in, 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 instead of, of uh, sampling the soil, um, and seeing how much uh, carbon is in the soil or how much carbon is getting added to the soil. We're directly measuring the amount of CO2 that's being taken up in photosynthesis and the amount that's being released in respiration. And we can essentially do a glorified profit and loss. Um, and so we're going to be doing this. Uh, we're doing this now at the moment where we're about a third of the way uh, through putting out uh, all the towers. There'll be 32 in total. Um, by the time we finish, um, and uh, eight of those uh, towers will be on, on peatland sites, um, some of them in, uh, on the raised bogs in the centre of the country, and then uh, some on blanket bogs uh, out in uh, Sligo, um, and also on the, on the Dingle Peninsula. Um, and then uh, our raised bog sites are going to be mainly in uh, North, North Leash and in, in Offaly. 
And what we'll be able to do is to see how close are the Irish values relative to the, 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 the book uh, IPCC values that we're using at the moment. And, um, and, and, and what we will be able to also do is to then look at the impact of management um, and see, for example, the relationship between uh, how good a carbon sink or a source uh, it is versus, uh, versus things like grass utilization, for example. But so if you, if you then look at, at, at so this, this is a, a study by Evans et al. And they've been doing these eddy covariance measurements in the UK. And, and what uh, they've, they've seen is that as uh, you change uh, the water table, as you, as you lower that water table, uh, the emission uh, uh, level of CO2 goes up linearly um, with changes in water table height. So, so as you increase, uh, as you bring the water table back up, you linearly uh, decrease the amount of emissions. Uh, coming from those uh, those those uh, those peatlands, so so what it does mean is that you don't necessarily have to bring the water table all the way back to the surface, and of course what you do see as you rewet up is you do see this increase in methane occurring. Okay, so so then you can you can actually get a, a, a they and, and with this they they got an empirical they had a model then of. Um, of the, the and a good relationship of the impact of water table on uh, on net uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So 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 what it meant was then that they could you can you can hit a, a sweet spot um, um, in terms of uh, reducing both CO two emissions um, but also not exacerbating methane emissions. And it was somewhere around about a water table um, about twenty centimeters uh, below the surface. They found it, and this was in the UK. But the one thing about rewetting is rewetting um, or raising the water table isn't the same as restoration. So, so, so what what these are here is um, is is these are graphs of um, uh, of uh, rewetted sites versus um, uh, pristine uh, peatlands, and and what you see is that when you rewet. You you don't uh, get the um, you don't get the the, the, the same amount the, the same vegetation as you'd have on a on a, on a naturally uh, a pristine uh, a peatland site, and you also don't have uh, the same um, the same hydraulics or the, the 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 same hydrology in the system. You never quite restore it. And 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 what what you find is that in the years. Uh, uh, um, and the years following rewetting, um, you still, the, I mean, the, the hashed line here is pristine peatland, and these are rewetted sites here. Um, and what you see is that the land cover characteristics are still very different to uh, what you'd expect on a, on pristine peatland. Um, and also the geochemistry um, is still uh, somewhat different at, and, and, and can, can, depending on the site, take a number of years uh, to recover. The, the other thing that we've been looking at it also is, um, is, is, is when you actually do um, uh, drain these sites, um, how old is the carbon that's getting, uh, that's getting uh, mobilized, that's, that's getting emitted? And, and what we see is that in terms of the, the, the soil carbon um, that's being released um, in, a, in a, a, a grazed grassland, that carbon is generally uh, uh, quite young, uh, typically probably only about between zero and, and 60 years old, but the carbon that gets leached out of the system is very, very old. Uh, that carbon um, that's being leached as dissolved organic carbon can be 1300, can be 2000 years old sometimes. So that's carbon that was laid down two, 2000 years prior to it. That's that's now getting mobilized um, if you drain these sites. So again, you're, the, 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 the point being is that when these sites are drained, you're losing carbon that has been uh, in that system for thousands of years, really. Um, 
And ultimately what we're going to be doing um, with our eddy covariance uh, sites is then constraining. Um, we're going to be constraining models, but, but also using satellite data in, in combination with it so that we can, we can then uh, create these models um, and we can use those models in the inventory and hopefully get a, a much better uh, value of uh, carbon emissions and also the impact of changing the water table height or, or maybe even just uh, not fertilizing as much um, on these peatland sites. Because again, um, typically the peatlands would naturally um, get very low levels of, of nutrient input. So, so in fact, actually um, uh, cutting off um, some of that um, some of that uh, uh, nitrogen and phosphorus might stop priming those microbes and, and stop some of that CO2 loss. And, and we can then uh, use that to uh, constrain models. And we can also then look at what the impact of future climate change uh, will be um, on our peatlands and on carbon sequestration into the future. So really, um, what, what we're, we'll be doing now into the future is getting a good handle on what's the management impacts on both mineral soils and on peat soils. Um, we need to better understand the underlying processes uh, that are driving both emissions and carbon sequestration. And we're setting up the infrastructure to, to, to have a long-term uh, monitoring uh, network uh, around the country uh, in combination with the, the signpost farms. And in fact, we do have a number of signpost farms where we have uh, peat soils and where uh, we will be re-wetting or raising the water table. And, and, and really ultimately then we, the, the, what we want to do is then come up with solutions that will reduce emissions um, and also uh, help preserve the carbon that's in these peat soils. Okay. But, but ultimately, um, uh, if, if we want to get uh, uh, these peat soils, if we want to raise the water table and we want to try and preserve that carbon, ultimately, um, it's going to mean that the farmer or whoever owns that land is going to have to be um, actually um, paid for curating that carbon. And in fact, paid the going rate of carbon. So at the moment, carbon on the on the uh, on the uh, verification markets is is fifty euros a ton. You know, if you're uh, uh, stopping an emission source of twenty tons per hectare, or fifty euros a ton. That's you know could be potentially a thousand euros a hectare. But but it. It, it is going to have to be something that A, we get, need to get the proper measurements, but B, it then needs to be resourced. And farmers do need to be paid the market rate for preserving uh, those, those high levels of carbon because these peatlands contain roughly about a billion tonnes of, of carbon uh, in Irish soils, a billion tonnes uh, of CO2, uh, or sorry, of carbon. Um, and 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 they need to be uh, paid to to actually curate uh, those uh, those that resource because it it the, these are essentially our rainforests um, these peatlands um, and they need to be preserved. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Gary, uh, and such a poignant uh, phrase to to end on uh, our, uh, the peatlands being our, our rainforests. Um, we have um, obviously a wide and varied audience here today, and uh, one of the purposes of the, the series is to educate people and just to introduce those these concepts to people. And Gary, if you don't mind, we have just a few questions uh, around the whole sequestration. Yeah. If, you, if you wouldn't mind, just just maybe clarifying, uh, you know, sequestration in a nutshell. Uh, just, just because I, I just want to make sure that people are, uh, yeah. So the, the concept, so, yeah. So, so again, again, some people kind of, the, um, they they don't get the concept. So, so the whole point of car of of, of carbon sequestration is basically removing CO two out of the atmosphere and locking it away either in woody biomass or in hedgerows, for example, um, or 
uh, in the soil, okay? Um, and while hedgerows and trees are, are quite easy to count, so we can, we can actually work out the amount of carbon in, in, in a forest quite, quite easily by counting the number of trees, um, it's much harder uh, to, uh, to work out the amount of carbon sequestered uh, in soils. Um, because like I said, um, in a typical mineral grassland soil, you might only be sequestering a ton of, uh, of carbon. Um, and, and you're trying to measure that in the background of maybe two or 300 tons of carbon. So it'd be like me saying to you that I, 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 I give you a water level in a swimming pool. And the only way for you to work out how much water is being added into it is by looking at the change in the in the height of the of the of the water in the swimming pool. So so that's the sort of challenge that we're facing. We're we're, we're measuring a very small input into a, in a very large background. Just just in relation to the the the, the inventories and the, the measurements, how in practice are those areas of peatlands uh, calculated? The the uh, yep. different uh, so, areas to, to actually come up with those figures. So, so at the moment, what what happens is we is we use a book value. So we're using what's called a tier one emission factor, which is um, a generic IPCC uh, value. Um, and until we have national data, uh, we're obliged to use that that tier one emission. The, the actual areas, mm. how can how 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 are they attributed or to? Okay, to, so the, so the, the so the areas and 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 again, this is is actually a piece that's actually uh, has been relatively uncertain up to now. But I know um, Stuart Green in Chagask and uh, John Connolly. And in, uh, in DCU have been doing a lot of work to actually get a, a proper handle on how much of this uh, peatland that is in agricultural production, get a handle on, on exactly how much there is. In, in the inventory, I think uh, it's assumed it's about 350,000 hectares. But, but the, 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 the truth is, Mark, we, we, up, up till recently, we actually didn't know. Mm. Um, so it's so, kind of remote sensing type. So it was uh, remote, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's done. It's done using remote sensing. But I think we've we're getting a better handle on that now. Okay. The the um, uh, Gary, you've been working in this area for a long time now, and uh, obviously there's been major changes or disruption to uh, fertilizer supply chains, mm. and over the last number of uh, weeks and, and months. Uh, and I think a lot of people are now looking at the, the agricultural system that mm. we operate here in Ireland um, and, and maybe our dependency on uh, external sources of, mm. of, of, of inputs, we'll say. I mean, where do you see uh, us heading over the next number of years around uh, production systems? Yeah, uh, well, I, I suppose it's it's opportune at the moment because we 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 have always said that the for us the easiest way to get at our agricultural emissions is to first sort out our our nitrogen and our nitrous oxide uh, emissions and 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 really I suppose the two main ways of doing that are to put legumes. And so, you know, you put in a legume, you're, you're essentially getting free nitrogen um, because if you have about 30% of clover in your sward, uh, that's going to be fixing somewhere uh, between about 90 and say 120 tonnes of, uh, of nitrogen per hectare. And, and then the other thing is to get your pH right because like two thirds of our soils um, are at suboptimal pH. And again, you know, if you if you think about it, if you bring uh, soil pH back from say five point five back to say six point three, six point four, you're you're going to be releasing about seventy kilos of nitrogen per hectare. Uh, again, so so I suppose um, the, the 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 increase in the price of fertilizer has has, has come at a at a bad time in some respects, but also a good time in that it, it's a you know we do have these targets to reach, so it's an opportune time now for um, for people to think, um, you know, m much more carefully about, uh, particularly the use of nitrogen fertilizer, uh, utilizing their slurry uh, or their manures as best 
uh, as best they, they can to optimize the nitrogen fertilizer replacement value of it. Uh, and then also looking at things like either multi-species swords or, or grass clover to, to, to fix more nitrogen into the, into the system. And, and, and to really, I suppose, wean, wean ourselves off, uh, off uh, uh, you know, um, mineral fertilizer as much as we can. Okay, I see a huge amount of questions coming through here, so we better get stuck into them. And thanks, everybody, for, for your interest. And do keep the questions coming uh, using the Q&A tab at the bottom of the screen, Pat. Yeah, I, I think a, a general theme coming through from the questions is just a, a, a word of thanks for a really enlightening uh, uh, talk. Uh, I think people are, are, are really getting what you're saying. A question here from uh, uh, beyond payment, farmers will need major tech support in a very complex area. Uh, and but there's, I suppose the, the question that's that's coming are uh, there is, it, will this land that we're talking about be sterilized, or is there still a role in agriculture uh, for the land that you're you're, you're talking about? Yeah, so I think I think the, the 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 point is, Pat, it's it's not a one size fits all. It's not. That we're going to be flooding the whole of the center of the country and turn it into a big lake or anything. Um, like so, so depending on the context, um, different farms and different might might utilize uh, different uh, methodologies. Some of them might simply uh, stop applying as much, uh, uh, putting as much nutrient inputs onto onto the land, and that might go some of the way to reducing that that those emissions from the peat soils. Uh, or you can you can seasonally re-wet uh, or raise the water table up um, or as I showed in one of the graphs you don't have to bring that water table all the way back to the surface so you could still have it you can still get um, uh, uh, quite a bit of the benefit um, at the moment know, Gary there's no there's no market there for that for no, there's no no there's, um, there's this there is, is the no challenge market. isn't it? it yeah so so the the, the DG Klima um, and I know uh, the Department of Agriculture uh, are talking about a carbon farming scheme, I think sometime next year, uh, they're talking about that. Um, but yeah, until we have a mechanism that will, uh, that will pay the farmer um, for, uh, you know, reducing that emission or improving the amount of sequestration, un un until you have a price for carbon, um uh then we we there there is no mechanism there is no there is no policy lever at the moment so we know for example the department of agriculture have a target of about 80,000 hectares that they want rewetted but at the moment that there's there's no impetus there's no lever to 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 actually um yeah actually get that happening yeah um, and I, I i think that there's a, a question here that follows on and i think i suppose a little bit of impatience among some people. Uh, what's most important, accurate measurement or behavioural change uh, uh, to to move ahead? I, I, I would say both. Yeah. I would say both. I, the The problem is, if we don't have an accurate measurement, then the market will have no integrity. Um, uh, because if I could, I say to a farmer in year one uh, that you know. You, by rewetting your peatland, you're cutting off uh, 20 tons of carbon and I'm paying him 50 euros a ton. And then I turn around next year and I say, oh, actually, it's only 10 tons. You know, when I get a when I get a uh, uh, we get a better estimate, for example. Um, so you do need the, the proper measurements in order to have market integrity. I think the other thing that you have to be very careful about is that you don't is you don't double account. So depending on on who uh, who is going to purchase uh, those carbon credits? Who's going to pay the money? Whether it's the exchequer or whether it's a it's the private market uh, is going to be is going to need a lot of thinking about. And because if it, if it is the private market, um, then uh, you you sell the credits uh, along with the the you know they're they're buying those credits off you, um, and that has the potential then for any reductions, any emissions reductions to leave the agriculture sector or even to leave Ireland if it's a, if it's a, a company that's, that's not Irish. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be very, very careful um, uh, in A, setting up the market 
so that that you you don't double account, but also that you you that you you you're giving a fair price for carbon, and that that the market has integrity, mm. that that we know the numbers are right. Okay. Uh, and I suppose if, if the, the I suppose the payment to farmers comes in the form of more of an agri environmental scheme than a specific payment, it, it then would be possible to maintain the the credits within the agricultural. It, it, it would, but, but but again, it, it's going to it's going to really uh, depend on what like you know, you're you're not going to get a, a functioning market, or you're not going to get behavioural change, um, unless you offer a fair price. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just a, a question here, getting back to it. There's a few questions in relation to, to mineral soils. Uh, could Gary comment on the optimum stocking intensity on grass and uh, intensive da- dairy grazing platform versus extensive dry stock uh, in terms of uh, uh, their ability to sequester carbon? And also maybe a comment on uh, ploughing versus min-till. Yeah. So okay. So the grazing one first. So there, there is cer- certainly there's there's there is evidence out there, um, and I showed it in one of the graphs that, that a grazed pasture uh, sequesters more than a, a silage cut pasture, and that's because, um, when you're grazing, uh, uh grass, you you uh you get a more root turnover. And roots, so so you actually you actually get a, get a bit more sequestration. Um, however, as the grazing intensity goes up, say past about one one and a half livestock units per hectare, um, uh, if you get if you have overgrazing, uh, then of course you're going to have compaction and poaching and 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 things that will that will uh, then retard. Uh, the amount of carbon being sequestered. So um, there, it, it has a kind of a hyperbolic relationship, but the, the, the rule of thumb is that the, the optimal stocking rate, um, uh, grazing stocking rate is somewhere between uh, one, one and a half livestock units per hectare to, to optimize that amount of sequestration. And on the tillage and min till side? And then on tillage and min till. So uh, again, um, what we what we have found um, in both Oak Park and, and Knock Bag is that min till certainly you've got uh, higher uh, numbers of earthworms. Uh, the, the soil tends to have better structure. Um, however, the amount of carbon in a min till uh, soil uh, isn't that much higher than than in a in a ploughed soil. It simply redistributes it at, uh, at different uh, different depths. So, so in a mint-till system, you'll have higher carbon in the topsoil in the top, say, uh, 10, 15 centimeters. Um, but actually, when you when you measure all the way down through the soil through the plough layer profile, um, there's we found not a huge amount of difference. Where you where you do see mint-till working is in um, uh, say in soils in the United States, for example, um, because they've got a, a low level of turning areas. Um, but also there seems to be um, an additional, because you're improving soil structure, you seem to be able to retain uh, soil moisture better. So some of it's actually a moisture impact and moisture effect, I think. Okay, a few questions coming in. Just I, I, I suppose a degree of frustration coming across from, from, from some people about what they can do on their farms uh, today to yeah. support sequestration in terms of, of, of best practice. So, so again, uh, for mineral soils, uh, I, I would, we would say um, put a legume in um, or move to uh, species mixtures because then, then you get uh, you've you've got different rooting depths, and the, the evidence uh, tends to be that that legumes um, and uh, uh, species mixtures um, sequester uh, more than uh, lowland monocultures. Um, optimally manage your uh, your 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 soil nutrient status. Mm-hmm. So you, you you know you if if you're uh, optimizing the amount of photosynthesis i.e. optimizing the amount of grass being grown uh, you'll you'll also help optimize the amount of carbon uh, being fixed into the system yeah um and and then uh, 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 part of that has got to be then of course getting your soil ph right what about tree planting or tree planting so agroforestry for example uh you could go to agroforestry or you could 
you could plant uh, hectare trees or or sometimes it could even be a riparian buffer strip by by a um by a waterway for example so it doesn't necessarily have to be forestry it could be tree features um but but also what we're we're finding as well uh, allowing your hedgerows to grow you know out a meter and, and up a meter instead of having a tight back and sides on it uh, is, is much better uh, from a, from a carbon point of view um, yeah. and obviously there's 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 biodiversity benefits there that exactly, we haven't really yeah. discussed at all uh, I see a few people have mentioned those those points um, that you know this rewetting will also have other other benefits to it as yes, well. Yes, and and and, and absolutely. Carbon. If 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 you raise the water table and, and if you if you move back towards more of a of a of a peatland type uh, situation, then of course there's this uh, this huge biodiversity co-benefits. There's a, a question there, a fairly specific one in relation to interdrumlin uh, peats. Uh, is there possibilities in terms of rewetting where those have been drained yeah and again it's so it's going to be it's going to be different depending on on where you are so you know um some of the challenges in in uh in on our raised bogs for example is going to be if if you're rewetting farm a how do you stop farm b from flooding um, and then on some of the on some of the the blanket bogs uh, it, it, there might be a challenge of actually raising that water table up. In fact, so again, different situations and different uh, 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 peat types are going to to to, to require different uh, uh, sets of measures. The question there is: to How ultimately are we going to measure the the impact uh, of various uh, practice changes on the the soil uh, carbon? Is it true soil sampling, or are there other methodologies that we will need to bring to bear? So ultimately, for the for the mineral soils, it'll be through soil sampling. Um, for the peatlands, uh, uh, it'll be monitoring those emissions. And once once we have a good handle on 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 what they are emitting and, and what the impact of rewetting is, then then it'll it'll simply be uh, uh, you know a scheme of raising the water table or you know changing how how that land is managed in some way shape or form. Gary, there's a department of announced incentives for, I suppose, tillage farmers to expand their areas crop this year, yeah. um, potentially some grasslands being ploughed um, to, to uh, expand this area. Is there a carbon release there or what, what is that? What happens? Yeah, so, so again, it depends. It depends. Like if, if you, if you look traditionally, Mark, a lot of our, a lot of our uh, tillage land is on quite sandy soils because they're they're nice and uh, well they're trafficable, um, and it just so happens that those soils actually don't hold very much carbon. So when when we look at a lot of those, say brown earths, for example, mm. um, whether they've got cropland or grassland or forestry on it, they, it's not those those very sandy soils and very responsive. To even changes in land use, the, the the carbon content only probably changes by about 10, 10 tons per hectare or so. Um, whereas if you were to if you were to plow up grassland on say a pod sol or a glaze sol or you know something like that, um, you'd be doing that's something I wouldn't recommend. You'd be doing a lot more damage there. Um, and releasing a lot more. So so what we see is that again, the higher the clay content the more carbon you can hold in and the more responsive those soils are to different land use types. So again, the heavy, if, if it's a silty, uh, clay, loamy soil, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily recommend uh, plowing that up. But if it's a sandy soil that's normal, you know, that that's and the soils that are historically in tillage, uh, that's probably not a, as, as huge a, an impact on those soils. That's useful. Sorry. Guy, I think two things to, to me uh, uh, came from, I suppose, the early part of your, your talk. One is that you have put in place quite a bit of, of research over the last while uh, around this issue mm. uh, and around the, the, the impact of, of carbon sequestration. The other, I suppose, is how big this is in the whole uh, uh, greenhouse gas picture for, for Ireland. Yeah. 
in that context, while we're starting to make progress in this area, are we doing enough? Or is there scope for increasing the focus of research and I suppose of, of uh, uh, knowledge transfer, which will follow it? Yeah, well, we I, 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 suppose, I suppose if you if you look at it in a kind of, if you look at it in its broadest context, um, the, the, the two things that can actually uh, uh, make a difference is the, the, the peat soils because they are a big emission source, but also forestry because forestry is our, our big sequesterer. Um, and the problem is that we're not, we, we, we're, we're not re-wetting any of these peat soils yet and our forestry planting rates are through the floor. Um, uh, and really, if we, want to, if we want to get movement on, on meeting the targets that we have, uh, both of those are going to have to be done. Um, in, the, in the short term for our 2030 targets, uh, the re-wetting piece or the, 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 the management of the forestry stock we have in place at the moment is going to uh, probably do the heavy lifting. Um, but in the longer term, and I'm talking about to 2050 now, and we're, we're, you know, we're always talking about net carbon neutrality or net climate neutrality by 2050. And um, it's getting trees into the ground is going to be the, 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 the big one. So uh, getting the afforestation rates up, um, you know, like I said, uh, we've been averaging about two and a half to 3,000 hectares uh, of planting over the last um, probably three to four years. We need to be up at about 8,000 hectares um, and historically during the, and, and, and the reason of course uh, that in fact our clear felling uh, is, is outstripping our, our planting rates is, is because we planted a huge amount of forestry, um, you know, around about uh, the 90, the early 1990s up to about uh, 2000, you know, we were regularly planting 16,000 hectares um, uh, per annum back then. Um, and, and there was also inappropriate planting, I suppose. At that there was time a lot well, of yes, there, absolutely. There was, soils a, and, there was there was a lot of yeah. inappropriate planting, absolutely, and, and in fact, um, a lot of inappropriate planting on peat soils that will be deforested and won't be replanted. Mm. Um, and is and, there will those lands then be suitable for this these types of measures that well, uh, well, we're talking about today? Well, we don't know the the. The, the problem is that 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 uh, even even if you um, uh, if you defo- if you deforest uh, and then put it back into into peatland, it, it will still be an emission source mm. uh, for a period of, of time. And of course, you know you're you're actually not replacing the trees that, that you had in there. So so we're we're probably going to have to need some sort of a derogation or something for that because um, that's land you 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 really from an environmental point of view don't want to reforest but at the same time then our uh, you know it's counted as deforestation so mm. it impacts then on our land use inventory so yeah something something probably needs to be sorted out with that well, a lot of work to be done there by the sounds of Pat I think we've time for one final question yeah, I suppose there's two questions around, I suppose, the area of, of water. Uh, is there any work being done on polluticulture, uh, raising water tables uh, and, and planting uh, water-loving trees and plants? Uh, uh, I, I do know that that uh, with the two, so there's two EIPs currently um, uh, out there looking at, at, at re-wetting. There's one called Farm Peat and one called Farm Carbon. And then I know some of the Farm Carbon farms um, are uh, thinking about looking at pluticulture. So it, it is one we'll probably come back and revisit. Now, we did a, a bit of work uh, on probably about a decade ago on things like breed canary grass and, and stuff like that. But, but again, it, it's not something we've done uh, for quite a period of time. But um, certainly there are opportunities there for alternative crops. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose a left field one, which might... Uh, uh, lead to a, a, a different talk. What contribution does the marine environment make to sequestration potential for Ireland? Um, so, so, yeah, so, so uh, in, in fact, the, 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 the largest amount of carbon is actually stored in our oceans. Our, our oceans uh, uh, store, I think it's uh, uh, something like 80 billion tonnes of, 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 uh, of carbon. Um, uh, so they are the, 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 
the they're the, the single largest sink um but uh that that's not, not something that i cover but they're, they're that there, there, there is research done on it, on, on the amount of carbon. Somebody else on another day. I have to have somebody yeah. from the Marine Institute, uh, I think, to to talk to that one. Um, look, I think we're going to have to leave it there. We're just over the the half uh, half past ten. Gary, thank you so much for a really excellent presentation. Huge. Uh, compliments coming in through our uh, Q&A and thank you everybody for excellent questions today and uh, and, and thanks to to all our audience today especially we have also quite a few people dialing in from overseas uh, given the, the importance of this topic so it's nice to see that that level of interest. Um, Gary thank you again uh, Pat thanks for for helping the questions today and uh, I want to say thank you to Yvonne and uh, Yvonne Maher uh, for assisting with the technical side today, uh, Andy Boland. Uh, so uh, next week, uh, we'll see you again at 9.30 and we'll be advertising the new schedule uh, for, for the coming uh, few weeks uh, during the, the week next week. So with that, enjoy the weekend. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.